You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STB Sports Take, Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Bingham. Thank you for being here. Hope you had a tremendous weekend. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts. Everywhere you get your podcasts, we are there. Thank you for being here. Please hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Um, guys, we got a lot to talk about. Big, big, big weekend in the NBA. We're going to be going through all the games, um, give you my take on all of it. I've got a lot to say, so buckle up. It's going to be a good one. And we got to start, of course, with the Utah Jazz. Um, Friday night, I thought about doing the podcast Saturday, but I was like, you know what? I'll just hit it all Monday, get the whole weekend in. So for those that are Jazz fans, I hate to bring up, you know, uh, I hate to kind of tear open a a wound that's maybe started to heal for the last couple of days. But, you know, I had said in my last podcast that Game 5 could likely go down as the worst loss in franchise history for the Utah Jazz. Well, guess what? Game 6 said to Game 5, hold my beer. And Game 6 may have been the worst loss in franchise history for the Utah Jazz. The Jazz are up 25. Again, no Kawhi Leonard with a 25-point lead. You just hang on to that lead, and and that's in the second half, a 25-point second-half lead. Hang on to that lead, get back to Utah for a Game 7, and they blow the lead and lose by 12, I think it was in the end. Pathetic. Like, it was so, so, so pathetic. Yeah, 131-119 was the final, so lose by 12. Outscored. By it was, I think it was 81 to 47 in the second half. It was absolutely embarrassing. And Donovan Mitchell played great. He had 39 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. We cannot blame him. His ankle looked fine. His statistics were above his norm, above his average. We cannot at all rely on, well, we were banged up too. No, we weren't. Conley played, Donovan played, they played the, the full game. Uh, everything was fine. We were at full strength. Maybe Conley's a little banged up. He was out of sync. He played poorly. He had five points, six turnovers, three assists, um, one of eight shooting. So Conley didn't play well by any means, but he played 26 minutes and he did play. And Donovan, like I say, played 40 minutes, 39 points, only two turnovers. And then of course the nine rebounds, nine assists I mentioned. We, We can't blame injuries. We were fine. We were at full strength. They were the ones missing their very best player. Not their second best, not their third best, their absolute best player, bar none, no questions asked. Kawhi Leonard's the best player on that team, and he wasn't there again, and the Jazz lose again, this time after having a 25-point lead in the third quarter. It's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. And it, you know, they had wide, the Clippers, that is, had wide-open shots on every possession. Every single possession, somehow, some way, they were wide open. Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year, and rightfully so. I've seen people knocking him, saying that he's a liability and blah, blah, blah. No, he's not. We did get outcoached, though. The Jazz got outcoached because the scheme that the Clippers had going with small ball was taking Rudy away from the rim. That's where he's most effective as a rim protector. The Clippers were the number one three-point shooting team in the NBA this season, percentage-wise. And they showed that this series, especially in games five and six, dominated us from the three-point line, beat us at our own game. And they did it with small ball, actually, where they bring everybody out around the perimeter and great ball of movement, pulling Rudy away from the rim, making him guard smaller, quicker guys. 
and it cost us. He was a minus 24 in the box score, uh, which was by far the worst on the team. Joe Ingles was a minus 18. That was the second worst. Everybody else was pretty, you know, average. Uh, Derek Favors, ironically, was a plus 12 in six minutes, which that's misleading, but we got out coached. We absolutely got out coached. We were lazy on defense. We were un- unprepared. We made no adjustments, and we got absolutely throttled in the second half by nearly 40 points. It was pathetic and sad, and this is a humongous blown opportunity for the Utah Jazz. Again, I said it. I said it uh, last podcast. Game five could go down as the worst loss in Jazz franchise history if we didn't win the series. Well, we didn't win the series, and we may have even we may have even surpassed that record worst loss in game five with game six up 25 without the other opposing team's best player and we blow a 25 point second half lead horrible absolutely pathetically horrible um terrence mann had quite literally the game of his life and i include his junior high high school and college days he might have not scored this many points in a freaking church league game ever before terrence mann somehow turned into a superstar uh he goes off for 39 matches donovan with 39 for the game high and was 7 of 10 from 3. 7 of 10. But guess what? We can't even rely on saying, because they shot 51% from 3. They were 20 of 39. But we can't even say, oh, well, you, you mean, what are we supposed to do? It was just their night. They were shooting so great. No, that's not the case at all. They were wide open. Shoot, They shot 40% from 3 on the season contested. Okay? Well, including all 3s. But the for those that watch the game, you know I'm right. They were wide open. They were they were so open, it was like a practice shot. These were wide open three-pointers, possession after possession after possession. It was, it was infuriating to watch as a fan. I'm just like, I don't get it. We had closeouts where guys weren't even putting hands up either. It, it, was, it was such a lackluster performance on defense. I was very disappointed. And this was a year that, that the Jazz squandered. And, and, and I got to say it, uh, you know, I had a friend, Kevin, who asked me yesterday, um, you know, what my takes were. He was looking forward to the podcast today. And I said, you know, I got to be honest, dude, and I'm going to drop the bomb on everybody tomorrow. The Jazz proved to be more pretenders than contenders. And that's true. I'm sorry. I know everyone out there that's a Jazz fan is like, oh, no, you're crazy. We're the number one seed, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? Like, that's why we were pretenders. Because... Everyone thought like, oh my gosh, the number one seed, the best record in the NBA, the best point differential in the NBA. We've got this. You know, we made the most threes. We have the defensive player of the year, the sixth man of the year. We have an all, three all-stars. All of that led to a second round exit. The playoffs is a completely different animal. Our coach, who I, I do believe has earned the right to be among, you know, the the those mentioned in the coach of the year candidates. I think he actually even should have won last year or this year. Um... He's not proving to be the best playoff coach. And playoffs are very different, people. They're very, very different. The best teams nowadays, they sandbag for these moments, okay? They, they rest guys. They, they hang out and wait to sandbag for these moments. They know that seeding doesn't matter that much. To, to true champions, seeding doesn't matter. Oh, whoop-de-doo, you get one extra home game than us. If we can't win one on the road, we're not champions anyway. So seeding doesn't matter nearly as much as it used to. A lot of teams are sandbagging for the playoffs. And then the adjustments from a coaching standpoint is huge. You're playing teams over and over and over again, back to back, every other night for two straight weeks. You're playing the same exact team. We've all done this in in anything. Like think when you've, you know, I, the, the simplest of things in life. I, I remember playing ping pong against my brother growing up, okay? 
And we would play game after game after game. And you, you learn their tendencies and you make adjustments. The Jazz weren't doing that. They, we didn't do that this series. And it's like, uh, hello, like it, it, this isn't like some one-off game where we get just match up better. This is another game and another game and another game. They're making adjustments to what we do well. We're not doing anything to, to adjust to their game. We're just doing the same old thing. And to me, that that's what crushed us. And so the Jazz have to do something. Donovan is too good of a player. I mean, Donovan is, he, he's, he's a top 15 player in this league. And, and he's knocking very loudly at the door of a title that he's going to get one one way or another. So the Jazz can either help him get one or at least get a chance for one, uh, get, get to a finals, or we can risk losing him in the next few years. Because one of the two is going to happen. Either the Jazz really beat down that door and get into a conference finals and even a finals appearance, or we risk losing Donovan Mitchell. Because guys like him, they're not going to stick around. They're not going to stick in a small market that can't get it done for them. They will stick in a small market like San Antonio with Greg Popovich where you're winning five championships, a la Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. We will not keep guys if we can't win titles. We just won't. You can't keep superstars. So I'm hoping that Ryan Smith and D. Wade... Um, take this seriously and really make some moves. We lack athleticism. We were we were so outmatched from an athletic standpoint against the Clippers. I mean, it was the, the the difference in athleticism was very very obvious. We have great shooters: Joe Ingles, Bogdanovich, uh, Mike Conley, usually uh, Jordan Clarkson at times, Royce O'Neal, Donovan Mitchell. Um, we have tons of guys. George Niang. We have tons of guys that can hit the three. But listen to some of the names I mentioned there. George Nyang, not athletic at all. Joe Ingles, not athletic at all. Um, Bogdanovich, moderately athletic at best. Conley, aging, not super athletic. Clarkson, super erratic and you know inconsistent. So we just we lack athleticism. We lack the ability to adjust on the fly to playoff basketball. Um, and I think we're, we're, we're missing one more true playmaker. Jordan Clarkson's not quite there. Donovan can't do it alone. We can continue to be a second round playoff team, but if we really want to, true contenders don't lose in the second round. True contenders don't lose in the second round. So the jazz proved to be, proved to be pretenders this year. It sucks. It sucks because I heard people saying it all year, um, you know, in, in the major media, and now, like, we, 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 you know, I said, be so good that they can no longer ignore you. We just were so bad that they can continue to ignore us. In fact, they can kick us while we're down and then keep ignoring us after that. The Jazz have to prove it. And now, you know, we're watching Devin Booker in the conference finals, and he immediately beats the Clippers in game one with a 40-point triple-double and was without Chris Paul for that game. And it's the same thing. No Kawhi Leonard, but they're without Chris Paul. So the, the Suns had a steeper hill to climb, a tougher hill to climb, and they did it no problem, showing that the Jazz are pretenders. We just are. You don't give up a 25-point lead in the second half of an elimination game if you're a true contender. You just don't do it. You don't do it. That's harsh reality. We have to live with it, and we need to adjust because if we just keep, just stay the course, and we're going to just fill seats, and we're going to have you know these great three-point shooters, and we're going to jack up threes, you know, then we can lose in the second round again. We'll have a great regular season, get all this hype and excitement, and then lose in the second round again. And it happens year after year. The Jazz haven't been out of the second round in forever. So it's time to make changes. Reggie Jackson was an all-star against us. Terrence Mann was an all-star against us. My friend Jimmy Rex, he said this you know, as game six was winding down. He's like, literally nobody even knew who Terrence Mann was like a week ago. 
And that's true. The guy's in his second year. He's been a very average player, and he became a, a superstar against us. So the Jazz defensively were really bad, made no adjustments. We rely heavily on Rudy Gobert to be in the paint, and the Clippers were just like, that's fine. We're going to pull him out of the paint and see how you do. Minus 24 in the box score, Rudy Gobert. So again, the Jazz, they've got to do something. We've got to do something because this was the best chance we've had um, since, this was the best chance we've had, not since Stockton and Malone, this was the best chance we've had, period. This was a better chance to win an NBA title than even making the finals appearance two years in a row with Stockton and Malone. And I truly and sincerely mean that because Jordan was never going to win, or sorry, Jordan was never going to lose those finals. The Jazz did not have a chance. I'm sorry. I was actually a Bulls fan back then. I moved from Virginia. I had been a Washington Bullets fan as a little kid, and the Bullets sucked. And my five-year-old brain was like, well, Michael Jordan's really awesome, and his team is the Bulls, and that name is similar to Bullets. I think I'm going to choose to cheer for these guys. So I grew up a Bulls fan, moved to Utah, obviously quickly learned to love the Jazz as well, but I was so entrenched in my Michael Jordan love uh, and the Chicago Bulls that I actually cheered for the Bulls during those series. And so I can look at it uh, as a non-Jazz fan. The, the Jazz never had a chance in those finals. They just didn't. They didn't. And all this, Jordan pushed off. Uh, first off, no, he didn't. And second off, who cares? It was game six. The Jazz fans act like somehow if the Jazz won that game, the series was over. No, there was still a game seven. So they never even took the Bulls to seven games. They got blown out by like 40-something points in one of the games. It was the biggest margin of defeat in NBA Finals history. The Jazz scored like 56 points. Okay, the, the, Jordan was never going to lose those finals. It was not going to happen. Like that, 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 those seasons were a fight for second place. Like he was that dominant. The Bulls were that dominant. The Jazz truly didn't have a chance. Okay. That's why they were never favored. Even when they had home court advantage, the Bulls were the favorite because they were that much better. So this was the best chance the Jazz had. It really was. The Jazz were favored in, in game six, even going into to LA. The Jazz were favored in game five. They were favored in game six. They lost both of them. So we had, you know, injuries everywhere. I mean, the Nets were like the, the juggernaut that everyone was the most worried about, right? Kyrie Irving, major injury. James Harden, major injury. Ke- Kevin Durant, major injury throughout the season. Two of those crept all the way into the playoffs. Kyrie goes down. They lose him. Harden's clearly banged up. He's a shell of himself. Um, DeAndre Jordan was banged up to the point where he just wasn't even, even playing. Uh, they lose LaMarcus Aldridge to early retirement. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie never came back all season long. Like, they had no chemistry. I talked about that all year long. So for those that are thinking, oh, the Nets are like, they lost, they were contenders, or they must be pretenders too. No, it's totally different for all the reasons I just stated. They had real true injuries to true stars. And I mentioned all year long on this podcast that the chemistry or lack thereof for the Nets was going to be a huge, huge issue. And it was. It was. And their depth. I mentioned depth all year long. They have no depth because they gave, they sold everything to get these stars. And then when they just all start getting hurt, I remember thinking the whole, the whole season, man, Spencer Dinwiddie would be hugely valuable to the Nets right now because they have no depth. They have no depth. And Kyrie goes down, hardens a shell of himself. They're forcing Durant to play literally every minute of the last couple games. The guy just goes bonkers and they still can't win because again, no chemistry and just lack of stars, lack of depth because all the guys are hurt. So they were the biggest you know, juggernaut. They were decimated by injuries. Uh, the Lakers' second best player goes out. They had no chance against the Suns without Anthony Davis. So they lose. The Clippers lose Kawhi Leonard. I mean, there were just injuries and, and issues across the board. 
And we were one of the healthiest teams. We had Mike Conley, who's our third best player, who was banged up, but he came back, and he was always going to come back. Donovan Mitchell was banged up, but not that much. Let's be real. He had 39-9-9 in this last game. He's sore. He's, he's, he's banged up, but not any more than a lot of other guys that are still playing. Okay, So we didn't really have any real injuries we were dealing with. We had home court advantage throughout the playoffs. None of the teams have championship experience. None of them left. The, the, the Hawks haven't won a title since 1958. The Bucks haven't won one since 1971. The Suns and Clippers never have. So those are the four teams left. So we're going to get a new champion. There have, none of these teams have won a, title, uh, won a title since the ABA-NBA merger. I mean, which was in 1976. So... 1971 is the most recent title, and it wasn't a true, you know, NBA title as we know it today. The merger in 76 is kind of when, you know, the NBA, in my opinion, really got going. And then you have Magic and Bird coming shortly thereafter, and the NBA just took off, right, the last 40, 45 years. And none of these teams have won a title in that time frame. Giannis, best player on the Bucks, never won a title. Clippers' best player, uh, Kawhi Leonard, has won a title, two of them, but he's out. He's not playing. Um... The Suns' best players, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, never even been to a finals. I mean, you can just go down the list. It's like the door's wide open. The Hawks, I mean, the Hawks have a bunch of 22-year-olds on their team in the starting lineup. They've never won a title. This was the Jazz' best chance ever. This was the best chance in franchise history to win an NBA championship, and we didn't even get out of the second round. Didn't even get out of the second round. It's really, really sad. Um, it, it actually pisses me off, too, to, to think that the Clippers tanked those last two games. It, it, it sucks that they were rewarded for doing that. They got the matchups they wanted, and it paid off. They're in the conference finals. And honestly, if the, if Kawhi Leonard was healthy, they would be far and away the favorites to win the whole thing. Far and away. It wouldn't even be close. But without Kawhi Leonard, it's going to be tough. I think you'll see the Suns beat him. We'll see if, if, if Kawhi can come back. But this was the year. This was the year. And the Clippers did get rewarded for tanking those last two games of the season, purposely dropping to that four seed. They got the matchups they wanted, and... I mean, the Mavericks gave him a better run for the money than we did. It's just sad. It's just sad. So this was the best chance that the Jazz have ever, ever had, and, and they blew it. They totally blew it. So, um, okay, moving on to some other games here. The Hawks beat the Sixers. Trey Young goes 5 for 23 and, on the road. So the, the 76ers have a home game 7, and the opposing team's best player shoots 5 for 23, and they still lose the game. I mean, that's... That's sad. The 76ers had such a meltdown effect. In this text thread I'm in, uh, one of the guys mentioned, you know, thank goodness the Sixers just evaporated and melted down so badly because it's making the Jazz not look so bad. And that's true, actually. They had an even worse, uh, they had an even larger lead that they gave up in their game six, and then they lose a home game seven. Uh, ben Simmons, <laughs> how right have I been on him? It's, I mean... It feels good. It feels so good. I hope you Sixers fans that were taunting me and commenting earlier in the year are listening right now. Ben Simmons is wildly, wildly overrated. He can't even play at the end of games. Doc Rivers, his own coach, goes on record. He's asked in the postgame press conference by a reporter, is Ben Simmons capable of being a starting point guard on a championship contending team? And Doc Rivers, his coach, says, I really don't know the answer to that right now. Which means, no, he's not. He's not. We just watched it. You can't even put him in at the end of games. He, he gave up. You, you all saw this play, I'm sure. If you didn't see it live or in highlights, I'm sure you saw it on Instagram or something. He gave up a wide open layup. Trey Young, who's like eight inches shorter than Ben Simmons, comes over late, 
very, very late. Ben Simmons could have had an easy dunk and he just sees a defender like somewhat moving towards him and he's like, oh no, and hurries and passes the ball because he doesn't want to get fouled. He cannot shoot. Now he's a head case on top of being someone who sucks at shooting. The guy is, I don't even know what they could get to trade him at this point. He's, he's not improved his shot one ounce since he came into the league. Not one bit has he worked on his shot or improved it at all. And now you just saw what a liability he is in the playoffs. I don't even think they can get much for him in a trade. I mean, who's going to want Ben Simmons right now? He hasn't improved his shot, and you just you know, the blueprint is out on how to stop him and make him a non-factor. Sure, go get your 10 assists. That's great. But that's not what you did all season long to make your team one of the best teams in the league. You scored 17, 18 points a game. Now he's taking four shots and making two of them. He had the worst free throw shooting percentage in NBA playoff history with at least 70 attempts. The worst. Worse than Shaquille O'Neal. The absolute worst free throw shooting percentage in NBA playoff history for a player that, sh- that had at least 70 attempts. That is significant. That is Ben Simmons. So I was right. And you know, it's funny, Greg Popovich, um, I remember him. He's just such an arrogant jerk sometimes. And, you know, he was in an interview once, a reporter asked him something about Ben Simmons and Hacka Simmons and all this stuff. And he's like, oh, you guys are so stupid. Like the guy's so freaking elite. Like who cares if he can't shoot? He's so elite already, you know? And it's like, Pop, you're such a moron, dude. Like, I get it. You're in, the, you're a coach in the NBA, and you've won titles, and you truly are one of the greatest coaches of all time. But don't act like we're stupid just because we don't play professionally or we don't coach professionally. People like these reporters, they watch game after game after game. They study the game. They watch the game. They follow the game. They're deeply involved, just in a different way. They're not morons. You were the moron there because you tried to fool all of us. You know that Ben Simmons has a huge flaw that you could exploit. Or maybe you're dumb enough and you didn't know that. I don't know. But I think you're a good enough coach. You probably did know it. And you just didn't want to say it because you need to say the right thing to the camera. It's always got to be just perfect. So this notion that people that didn't play or didn't coach somehow don't know what they're talking about and they're unqualified to even speak on basketball is a bunch of hogwash. And this is evidence of that. The media, myself included, Uh, have been saying for a long time that Ben Simmons has a humongous weakness that should be exploited and that he's overrated, that he's a late-game liability. I got laughed at by fans. Popovich laughed at reporters, told them how dumb they were, was condescending. Uh, Who's laughing now, idiots? (laughs) I mean, Ben Simmons, I don't even know if you could... I, I don't even know if you could give him away at this point. I mean, obviously you could. I'm exaggerating for effect, but... But his stock dropped like a rock. I mean, his stock dropped like an absolute rock. So that's Ben Simmons. Um, I have uh, underestimated the Hawks. I am going to say that about this Hawks team. Uh, I'm going to continue to underestimate them, though, by the way. And I'm going to predict they lose this series to the Bucks in five. I think the Bucks will win this series pretty easily. I'm going to predict a gentleman's sweep. Um, we'll see. The, the Hawks are on a roll. They have a fantastic young starting lineup. Uh, Trey Young is just 22 years old, and he's turning into an absolute superstar. He was, again, drafted the same draft as Luka Doncic, and they were actually traded for each other. And for the last couple of years, it's looked like, man, the Mavericks really won that deal. Luka is so much better. And while I still think Luka is so much better, look who's in the conference finals and look who's not. You know, Trey Young is playing tremendously. Obviously, I mentioned he had a really poor shooting night uh, yesterday, or, but... Um, you know, five for 23, but he's in the conference finals as the clear leader and best player on his team. Luca got bounced in the second round and, or excuse me, bounced in the first round 
and had another all-star caliber player at his side in uh, Chris Epps Porzingis. So we'll see who, you know, we'll see how that, that shakes out as their careers go on. I think Luke is going to win multiple MVPs, but Trey Young is really showing what he's got. 22 years old. Kevin Herter, just 22 years old. He, he led the team in scoring yesterday with 27. John Collins, who I've tremendously underrated and undervalued. He's 23. He's playing outstandingly well. Um, Clint Capella, just 27. Bogdan Bogdanovich, just 28. That's their starting lineup. 22, 22, 23, 27, 28. That's the Atlanta Hawks starting lineup. You develop those players correctly, that's a dangerous team two or three years from now. A lot of it's going to come down to player development, though. Can you keep up? Can you? Because none of those guys are superstars with the exception of Trey Young. But can you develop them into getting one or two more all-stars out of that and keep them intact, keep the core intact? And then they've got solid veterans off the bench in Gallinari at 32 years old and Lou Williams at 34 years old. They've got a solid team. They've got a solid team. And Nate McMillan, the interim, I'm doing the quotes for those listening with my fingers, the interim head coach better freaking be the big contract extension, full-time regular head coach very quickly because this guy has earned every penny that he's made and then some. Um, okay, so Suns Clippers, um, no CP3, COVID protocol, and no problem. Monster triple-double from from Booker, 40-point triple-double. And the Suns do what the Jazz could not do, and that is they beat the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. And they did it without Chris Paul, who I think is not their best player. He's their second best, but I think he's their most important player, and they still win without him. That makes the Jazz losses even that much tougher to swallow. So what bugs me too is I think Donovan's still the better player than Devin Booker. But I think just by nature of Booker uh, probably being viewed as a little cooler, you know? Um, He's mentioned in rap songs and stuff. LeBron's had his back saying he's the most underrated guy. Uh, you, you, You combine that with the fact that he just made the Western Conference Finals and then has a 40 point triple double in game one and beats the Clippers without Chris Paul at his side. I think just right there, if you were to do a poll today of who's the better player, Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker, I think you'd see it skew pretty heavily towards Devin Booker. And that's unfortunate because I still think Donovan Mitchell is the better player. We just need to get him a little bit better help, and we got to get Quinn Snyder to make some adjustments. We've got to get some adjustments made. Um, and I think we need to get rid of Derek Favors, and we need to get more of a stretch four who can defend a little bit better. Anyway, I, know I, I digress a little bit, but... Um, the other game I wanted to mention, the Nets and the Bucks. I've talked about this briefly, but one thing I didn't mention is Kevin Durant was literally like an inch or two away from having his game-tying shot, the forced overtime in Game 7 on Saturday, to be a game-winning shot. He was literally like his toes were on the line, and it would have been a game-winner. Instead, the Nets go home, Bucks move on. I'm excited, though, to see um, Giannis, and I think we're going to see, I don't think you'll see the Clippers get there just because I doubt Kawhi comes back. But with an ACL injury, it's clearly not torn because they would have said it's torn. Uh, it's an ACL injury. Kawhi's not one to mess with injuries much. He's kind of one where you know he gets a gets a dead leg and sits out an entire season. But he also is very championship hungry, and his team's right there. They can they can smell a championship, and with him, they'd be the favorites. So if he comes back and happens to be Again, we'll say 80% of himself. I think they would they would win the title. But if he doesn't come back, or if he does and quickly goes out like we saw uh, happen to Anthony Davis, then I think the Suns are for sure the favorites in that series. And I think you'd see a great matchup with Suns, 
Bucks in the finals, and you'd probably see the Suns win it, which would be really interesting. I mean, this is just a crazy year. We're looking at we're looking at a new champion. We've got a ton of guys that are really good that have never won a title, never even been there, and they now get to battle it out, which is actually an advantage to all of them because instead of having to battle, you know, uh, like you, you know, we saw Jordan had to, you know, somehow fight his way past the Pistons team who had won back-to-back titles, and he had to like climb past this like seasoned veteran team who has championship had championship DNA in them, as they say. A lot of titles are won that way. LeBron had to do it as well, you know, watching Kobe win titles and getting past the Celtics when they won a title with the original Big Three, and you know, a lot of guys had to do that where they have to like climb this mountain peak of like other champions before they can become a champion themselves. These guys don't really have to do it. We watched a lot of injuries knock teams out. There was a lot of shifting and movement in the offseason this last year anyway. And then a lot of the the champs, like I say, are, are injured. And, and all of a sudden, it's just a wide open field. And so I'm excited. These are going to be really, really fun conference championships. I am very excited. I'm going to predict Suns and Bucks in the finals. I think this Suns-Clippers series will probably go six or seven. And the Bucks Hawks will probably just go five. Uh, but we'll see. That's all the time I have for today. I am out. Peace. We got the same. We got the Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports. Yeah,